0: How do we we even begin this? We're going to get right into it like we've been doing.
1: Not a good look. Not a good look. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so topic
0: that we're addressing here has to be addressed. Um, Very disappointing is the easy term. Oh, yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, Fernando Tatis suspended for the rest of the year. 80 games is the official game length, which is the rest of this year, playoffs if we make it, and then pretty much the first month of April. Um, his rendition is... He got ringworm and used some sort of steroid cream to help assist the ringworm. That is the most ridiculous excuse I've ever heard from a professional athlete, for starters. Uh, This is tragic, really, because it's changed the whole trajectory of, like, how you look at Tatis as an athlete. Not just for us Padre fans, but for the entire MLB. Right. And I'm getting the sense now that people are kind of feeling bad for him and, like, how his image has been changed. Fuck But that. it's like, you did it, man. Like. Right. The you thing did that bothers both. me about it, yes, it's totally... It was his choice. And the lineage, if you go on Twitter, there's the lineage of, you know, the motorcycle accident and how he lied about that. His dad lied about that. Right. And basically, he was using that cream to help speed up the process when he figured out, like, oh, fuck, my wrist is actually broken. So let me use this to help expedite the healing process. So, look, I mean, that's what I think is the truth. So, if you're Tatis, like, he made a mistake. I'm not out on Tatis at all. I, I'm i upset, very upset with Tatis because he ruined. It didn't ruin, but, I mean, he changed what our team was going to look like and the energy around it. Correct. I mean, we were a week away from a standing ovation, and now we're really getting rolling. We got the whole squad back together, the big three with Soto, Machado, and him. Um, But you let down the city, number one people like you and I, people around San Diego that were expecting that and, you know, ready to really make a push of this thing. Right. Um, but to come out and then on his end and his camps and, and put it, like basically you're making an excuse, which I think is a complete wrong way to go about it. I'm already upset that you're not playing. And that's the bottom line of this is you're not playing right but take accountability that you did something otherwise you wouldn't be in this position so to say it's it's like it doesn't actually matter that it's ringworm you're not playing because you took something and then you don't appeal the suspension so you know that you took something
1: correct so i'm (laughs) i i agree with you i think my biggest the most uh what I'm most upset about is the fact that we're not able to see like you said the big 3 playing all at once. And you know, I I'm I'm I I think you and I are on the same page with this in a sense of you know, he released a statement that you know, when I read the statement, I'm like this is such this is like like you had your sister write it and you're reading it, you know. And, and what I, what really, what really bothers me is the fact that there's, he has no accountability. I mean, he's what, 22, 23 years old. He's making, you know, over three hundred thousand, three hundred million $300 million. And, you know, there's a time for you to become an adult and a big boy and he's not, he didn't do it. And, you know, I can, I can have my opinion left and right, which as fans were, we, you know, we deserve that. And I think my biggest thing is I haven't really heard anything from Tatis. I've heard his dad talk about stuff. I've heard his mom talk about stuff. I had a bullshit statement. Like I said, that he, for all I know, he did not write. He had, like I said, his sister write it and him read it. And, you know, for me, that's, that's bullshit. And, For me, a lot of this comes back to, and I've talked about it a lot, you know, in our previous episodes, especially talking about the Soto trade and all that. Is you know Tatis's injury was always so hush hush. We didn't really know what was going on as a fan base. Which in a in the day and age that we live in, that's a shocker. And (laughs) and and to have that to have what happened unfold and come out is just it's a death blow to fans. And, you know, I don't know. I gave you my conspiracy theory with the whole thing, but I was, uh, I was watching the captain, uh, you know, Derek Jeter's documentary. I don't know if you've watched that. I'm going to plug that. I did. Yeah. that was great. Yeah. It was done very tastefully, and very well done, but you know, Derek Jeter was, you know, uh, Alex Rodriguez got popped for steroids while they were on it. And the perfect example of what Derek Jeter said was great. Another fucking distraction. And now I got to deal with this in the ballpark. And, you know, our, our team, you know, and I think Mr. Peanut, you felt the same way as I, as I about this, but our team has been under such a microscope through the league with everything we do. I mean, when we, you know, we were looking for the Scherzer trade. That didn't happen. And our team was under the microscope again, being viewed by the whole league. Like, hey, is are the Padres going to make a move here? And then again, now we get Soto. The hype around the team is huge. Hey, you know, no COVID era. We're going to push through and we're going to make it to the playoffs here. And we're really going to make a fight at a World Series. Again, we're underneath that microscope of the MLB and MLB fan base. And all of a sudden, we get a swift kick through the pants, and it's like, what? What if? I mean, good God, man!
0: <laughs> Why is there always something going on with our team? Right. I, that was so going into my reaction of when it happened. First, I just.
1: <laughs> oh man, I agree. Deflating.
0: Right. Because I'm like. That can't be real. Seriously, what after all of that, he's doing steroids of some kind. Dude, you gotta be kidding me! Oh my you god! Have to be kidding me, right? Dude, I don't know what it is. We got to start talking curses, man. I mean, <laughs> we're so close to just like, can we just see if our team's good enough to win a World Series? Why is there always something outside the game, right. outside the diamond? That we have to deal oh, with, right. and it's like, oh, how's the team going to react to this news now? Right. Like, that's what bothers me. Like you said, the distraction side of it. And then, our road trip there, or the road trip that just finished. You know, we took two out of three versus Washington, the worst team in baseball, and then right. we take one out of three versus the Marlins. So three and three, and last, uh, yeah, yesterday's game was good, but you still only won one game versus the Marlins so the you know, and during those two losses, my reaction to that is just another year where the adversity is too much for this team, right, and it's all on the shoulders of our supposed you know well best player is the easy term, but generational player, the guy that's supposed to be the future of the team the
1: future of the MLB
0: hopefully the guy that we retire is Jersey one day, right and You know, it all comes crashing down because of failure to take accountability from off-season mistakes. And here's another part. (laughs) Like I said at the beginning of this, I'm not out on Tatis. He's a young kid. Everyone makes mistakes. I understand that completely. Not all of us are under the insane microscope of a professional athlete. So the mistake isn't what the issue is. Correct. It's the repeated mistakes. In the same year, and it's not owning up to the mistake that's put your teammates and your team in a more difficult position to succeed, right? That would, if that was him, I mean, that's what would bother me the most, and maybe it does. We haven't heard from him
1: again, so yeah,
0: I don't know if you're crafting some PR thing. It's like, dude, no one actually cares that it's one. The only or that I don't believe that to begin with, but um, like that's not. Not everyone's going to be like, oh, it was Ringworm. He's he's scot-free, which I think right. is what he originally came out with. He's like, oh, it wasn't my fault. It, like, Then I'll get my image back. People give you so much more respect if you take ownership of what you did. You say, hey, I messed up. Right. I, tried, I thought my wrist wasn't as bad as it was. It turns out it was. I wanted to get back on the field, and I was told that this was uh, acceptable, which it probably... I'm I'm sure it somebody told him it was fine at the DR. And yeah, I took that's it and it ends up that it's a banned substance and it's on me. I'll learn from this and now go. Then I'd still be upset with him, but at least I'd be like, Hey, that's a stand up guy that's a leader of the team that when he does come back will you know, we'll bring you back in, we'll root for you. But the stage we're in right now. Right. I don't know what type of guy we're dealing with. I right. mean, is this just going to happen every year, where it's just, oh, I messed up again, but it was his bad.
1: Right. And you know, you you brought up a good point. Like you know, I him talking, us speculating of the conversation that he had regarding the steroid that he took and w- whether it was ring for ringworm or not. I think what I've kind of you know I've listened to a lot of people talking about this. I've read a bunch of articles and something that. You know, I've kind of brought up out of this is, you know, he is young, but I think with the whole steroid thing and I didn't know that it was a a banned substance and what have you. To me, that is a little bit of, I don't want to use the word covering up, but like maybe cover his ass. It's a cop. Right. And I guess my thing is like, you know. We, cannot, we can talk about what ifs anywhere we want. And I think as a fan, what I would have appreciated was, hey, I took this drug. I had reviewed this drug with my team and they, you know, just like what, what channels are you going through? Because let me tell you this. If you are what I'm paying you and I'm AJ Preller, I'm telling, here you go. Here's our team doctor's fucking personal line. You call him whenever you want and you... If you have a question about something that's going in your body, give him a call and send him a picture of that label and then we're gonna give you to our athletic our athletic director, our athletic trainer, and make sure that's good and those are the things and again, this is what i'm I'm saying about this whole thing. It's very, very hush hush. like there's so much that I guess I guess as fans and as people, we're intrigued about things we don't know about, right? we want to know more and the padres i mean god bless them they've done such a good job at keeping this so hush hush but as fans i think we are owed a conversation or at least a, a statement from the players saying hey look i made a mistake this is the these are the this is this this is that you know i mean his He's already being suspended. They are not going to throw more at you unless there's a, a you do it again, you know.
0: Here's the thing, if if the, if the ringworm defense was true, then why wouldn't you appeal it? At least appeal it. Right. Um right. That's that, I think that says it all to me. Is like I you come agree. out with a statement that you're not at fault basically like it was something else exterior that caused right. this to happen. But I'm not going to appeal. It's like, "Well then, what are you even talking like why would you even defend it then right you i mean
1: i I will be starting my suspension now it's like okay it's like but i'm not gonna deal. and you're gonna well that
0: that says it all it's like you're taking accountability without actually taking accountability you don't even realize it don't even realize that you're basically admitting fault without saying you're at fault um and what you were saying about the you know go to the trainers go to everything he has all those capabilities one thousand percent. They've invested right. so much money in him that they would never, especially after the motorcycle thing, they would never just allow him to go to CBS and just pick up a cream that you know some random doctor says right. to take. Absolutely yeah, sure, not. Dude, you're good. They, they got about seventeen guys going. What are you taking? Is that Advil? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh. So it that makes it even more egregious that you would not listen to the team doctors, not consult the team doctors, not consult preller people seedler people that have invested their team in you right and back to what's going on on the field i mean we're basically playing 500 baseball figuring out how to get through this uh, latest hiccup of right like we were here now we're here now we're getting back up and Like you caused that, you caused it to your team, so you owe your team an explanation. He was supposed to go down to uh, the stadium today and talk to people, but he ends up not going. And it's just one thing after another. It's like, dude, get your ass down there, let people know that you should at least feel some responsibility. Like, I can't force you to feel responsibility, but how, like, how can you not? And if you don't, then that's a different issue of just an egotistical mindset. I don't
1: for your fellow players is my which, big thing, and your team. Which
0: I don't think he's that guy. I think he's very young and naive and was on top of the baseball world. So I think he thinks through that, like he can wiggle his way out. And it's get, unfortunately it's a rude awakening to him that it's not that simple. Like you have when you make mistakes, you have to take accountability and earn the trust and respect out of your team, franchise owners, and that's why guys like Clevenger. Musgrove, Machado, Preller all came out and didn't really have his back when they were asked about it. Because honestly, it's getting like the song and dance is getting old. It's nice. like, yeah, he was supposed to come back. He was literally like a week away from coming back. And then, oh, wait, my, you know, it's just, it's crazy how these things happen when you least suspect it Uh, to the project specifically. And then, you know, Hopefully the best case scenario is through this adversity, the team who's together gets closer together and they can find a way to win without him, like win at all without him. Right. Uh, which I don't think is impossible. The Braves won last year without Acuna Jr., arguably their best player. Right. Um, so I think it's possible. It's just like, like you were saying in the beginning, you're throwing a wrench into the system of the flow of things, which as we know as baseball guys is essential to the mojo going on in a clubhouse when you're trying to make everything click at the right moments. So, I mean, I don't know. The story continues. It's not even over yet. It's like he hasn't even addressed the team yet. It's been
1: a, a week. And I think what kills me is like just exactly what you just said. Like he hasn't addressed the team in a week and you know pedro martinez came out and and almost like yeah, what was that yeah that was like he he, he 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 you know he talked about like he, you know fans and the mlb are, are 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 altering his his uh his impact and his view of of other people it's like pedro i i mean i love pedro martinez and i'm a huge fan but that comment right there is exactly the comment that is causing Fernando Tatís to not go to address his team. Whatever his, you know, a lot of guys talk anytime we talk, anytime I've talked to professional athletes or heard them doing any type of interview, they talk about their own team, you know, like hey, I got my nutritionist, I got my, you know, my my psychologist and things like that. The the immediate team that's guiding Tatis right now is fucking up his image for everything and and to that point I think a huge driving factor of that is his mom and dad and I I don't want to talk bad on anyone's parents but I think he is his dad saw how much impact I mean he talked about it in an interview like he is the next fucking Derek Jeter essentially like he is going to be the captain now and You know, your son made a mistake. I understand defending your son. I'm all for that. Defend family as much as feasibly possible. But also, don't poison the thought process of, I made a mistake. I need to address it. And and it's just like, you know, we hear it all the time. Like NFL, NBA, anything where the – the company that you keep as a professional athlete around you, if they're not allowing you to grow and be a integral part of the team, it hinders everything. And you are viewed as a hiccup in that, in that history of that sport because of that. And that personally, I see that with Tatis, especially right now, you're not going to address your team. What an asshole. (laughs) And it just stinks
0: because fir- one of the first things I thought uh, was this is going to stick with him for the rest of his career. Like, he's right. one of these he's one of these players now. Like, right. Tremendous talent, obviously. Like, that's why San Diego loves him. I really do think when it's all said and done, the the fans will come back to support him. Granted, the right things are said and the right things are addressed, like we're talking about. But that just stinks. Like, you had literally it sucks your career of being like a Tony Gwynn type figure in the palm of your hand. And on one side, it just shows how difficult that maybe is in professional sports, but you can't run away from the consequences to the decisions that you make. Correct. And, it, and it's like, how disappointed was the city when the wrist thing started? It's like, it was, there are already question marks there, but, you know, we we're like, okay, he's young, mistakes, like we're talking about, goes all the way, and then we get to, like, six months later, and we do this now? So, yeah, and to your point of uh, his dad, obviously, like you said, you defend your family no matter what, but it it has a stench of, like, Ryan Braun, uh, right. Oh, that's Carlos Carlos Correa, where they knew that there was shit going on and then when they're confronted with it deflected deflected deny till you die uh that's what it feels like and that sucks yeah. because he he doesn't seem like you see i think he's a good guy i think he's a good kid but there's there's a the wrong message being sent to him though like, to like try to get him through this And it's like dude that's right. not really how life works like people especially in this day and age like you were saying people will figure out the truth eventually yeah. So if you don't get in front of this, like you're just gonna look like more of an asshole later. It's like it doesn't just go away. No. People literally spend their lives trying to figure out the scoop and you are the like main character of the media right now. Correct. So if you think journalists and shit aren't gonna dive deep into when you exactly took it, who sold it to you, like, dude, that's not gonna happen. People aren't just gonna forget. This isn't like seventh grade baseball.
1: Like that Netflix documentary is already being made right now.
0: Exactly. Like the story of your career is happening right now. And the A-Rod example is, and he even spoke on, I don't know if you watched that part of, uh, they got, it was, I think it was Red Sox Yankees and they brought Jeter and A-Rod together to kind of commentate the game on the side. And he was talking about his own mistakes in his career with PEDs. And he's like, I wish uh, younger players would learn from stuff that I did because he'll always be looked at that way from certain fans and that's just a part of his career what does he make the hall of fame i don't know because that's part of his story yeah so tremendously disappointing um i still have faith in this team though we're we are in the wild card spot right now number six the last spot and i still think we have the tools to make the playoffs and then whatever happens happens obviously it doesn't make us as big a threat as we would have been with a lineup that has Tatis 1, Soto 2, and Machado 3. I mean, that's what really bothers me.
1: I think what kills me is the fact that however how, however this season plays out, the result for the Padres will, will be plagued with the Tatis item.
0: Right. Well, unless we win it all, it'll always be what could have been.
1: Right, and then everyone will say, "Oh, well, if Tatis was there, maybe they would have made the World Series, or or ha- what have you." Especially hoping- depending if we, you
0: know, however the season ends. Like if we, let's say, we miss the playoffs, and it's like, "Well, if they had Tatis, what would their record have been?" Or if we had a, if we make the playoffs and have a, you know, close series and we don't end up pulling off, it's like, "Well, could you imagine the impact Tatis would have?" Had? Right. So it puts us in a really puts him in a really tough spot, honestly. Does. Like, us as fans, we're just going to ride or die with whatever happens. Of course. We have no impact on anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just. And then if you, when, uh, if we don't win the whole thing, then in the off season, it's like the whole story is going to be like, is Tatis going to be all right? Like, is yeah. he going to be okay on his own? Yeah. And imagine if he does something again. It's like then, now we're talking trade, get rid of him, cancer the team. It's like he's literally another step away from that. And I hope it doesn't get to that point. But this is not a good strike, too. Breathe. Because we're talking about football now. Football is weeks away. Oh, my God. Returning to our lives. And I'm fired up, man. Me too. So we're going to dissect the AFC West today go team by team and kind of give a little blurb on what we think is going to happen. For starters, this is easily, I think, the most competitive division in the NFL, which is why I wanted to start off with it. My God, is this division
1: packed with talent. Stacked, packed, loaded, whatever word you want to use to describe how much money was thrown at these teams. This, 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 this division is literally...
0: Yeah. Cut throat. Right. All those division games are gonna be just battles. Right. Um, and we're gonna give our top four, but I'll say at the beginning that it literally could end any certain way. There's no way there's no way to predict this division, which makes it it's gonna be a lot of fun, good football games, I think. Right. But let's start off with the defending AFC West champs, Kansas City Chiefs who've been kinda of running that division. Um, what I got on that is they're definitely the dogs to beat. Still, they lost Tyreek Hill to the the Dolphins, but pretty much have everybody else back. Um, I see Kelsey having a larger role because of that. Uh, they lost uh, Byron Pringle as well, so they lost a few guys on the offense. But when you have a guy like Mahomes, it's kind of like and you know that elite quarterback class of Rodgers, Brady you can pretty much fill in receivers at will and he'll make their name recognizable. Right. So as long as Mahomes stays healthy, I think, I mean, definitely a 10 plus one team. Uh, Arrowhead, very tough place to play as always. Uh, You know, we got Patrick Mahomes in the pinnacle of his career, his prime, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I just, Anytime you have Mahomes under center, and Andy Reid as his coach, and that kind of continuity, Matt Nagy is the quarterback coach, by the way. So if they do go south, I know exactly whose fault it is. <laughs> but if Mahomes knows anything, he's not listening to a word. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Chiefs are—they're going to be good this year, as always.
1: I agree. I think the Chiefs are like I like you said, the dog to beat. Um, Mahomes, I think. You know, there's not much there to say. Just, yeah. If anybody wants, I will say this: I think in those divisional games, just based off of you know what the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos have done on their defensive fronts, if they can attack and other teams, of course. But those divisional games, specifically, if other teams are able to attack Mahomes, you know, and and put him a little bit under pressure, get him out of pocket, and he's good out of pocket, but you know that that adds for a little bit of your secondary to kind of say okay what do we want to do here maybe we get a pick maybe we get a fumble you know maybe we pressure him to just throwing it out of bounds so you know i think specifically talking about you know our afc um divisional games it's going to be that kind of uh thing with mahomes and then um something that i just kind of added just in my mind while i was going over this was just making sure that the Defense for Kansas City can keep up with how well the uh, that we expect the um, the Chiefs' offense to, you know, produce. And if you can have a defense that can contain teams, those divisional games are going to be tough on all those defenses. But you know, I think those are success that that will generate success for the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Kansas City's defense is the weak point. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see. If- what type what type of adjustments they made they lost Tyrand Matthew as well, which is a huge part of that defense um and we saw the Bill's chiefs game last year just, you know the defense isn't their strongest here. the the investment is the offense, so you know you're gonna ride or die with Mahomes and Kelsey and uh Edwards hilaire and just you're gonna have to score more points basically, but they've been doing that for years, so right I like their chances, okay, moving on to the LA Chargers. I think there's a lot of stuff to discuss here. Cause
1: you know, that still sounds weird to me. I, I, don't, I, don't,
0: I never like saying it, but. Uh, Here's the Chargers, and it is what it color. is. I guess yeah. we'll have to accept it. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think the Chargers have a lot of expectations this year. You got Justin Herbert coming back after a great year. Keenan Allen's been doing it forever. Mike Williams had a great year last year. Still needs to stay healthy. Um, but they, I mean, talk about firepower from a roster standpoint. I think they arguably have the best roster. As previous Charger fans, we know, however, that has never really meant anything. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, we know that. <laughs>
0: um, they tra- but what you were talking about uh, defensively, like getting after Mahomes. I mean, they made. They have a pretty sick defense. This Not as a fan of the team but it's a fan of football I'm excited to watch how that adds up they got my guy Khalil Mack from the Bears lining up on the other side from Joey Bosa um you know a couple of young great corners Derwin James they just signed a huge deal so in terms of talent like I said top to bottom they are going to be fantastic on paper um you just never know what the Chargers though. I mean it's it's always the same song and dance. We grew up with some pretty awesome San Diego Chargers teams and probably should have at least won one championship but didn't even make it to the champion the conference championship game. So there's always that weird thing about the Chargers where they can give up a lead in the second, they can make the mistake to lose the game, they can win a game on an onside kick. That's that's the aroma around that franchise. So, I really, uh, I really like Justin Herbert. Though I think he's, he's a, he was a franchise changing pick when uh, Philip Rivers was on his way out, and he's, I mean, him with uh, Keenan Allen and Williams, with Eckler in the backfield has been a phenomenal change of pace for that offense. Love the head coach too. Seems like a guy you'd love to you know suit up and play for. So if they can string it all together, they could be a very dangerous team. But it's the chargers
1: <laughs> oh um for the chargers for me they're drinking what the uh, la rams kool-aid they're giving them is throw a lot of money at the team and see what happens and to be <laughs> honest i mean i know we're going to give like our predictions for uh, you know the afc west here and i'll be honest they're my number one pick I thought you were going the other way. I thought you were going to spite and just putting them for. No, I actually, no, I, I don't get me wrong. It took me a long time to really make that decision. Uh, you know, do I take spite or do I take this opportunity to? <laughs> it's always a fine line, right? So, but just the the move that they made in the off season this year. I mean, they've made a lot of big splashes, and I really love Justin Herbert. I mean, I hate to say that for a team that I absolutely despise. But, again, we've talked about this at length. Like, I hate the team, but I like the players. You know, I'm a big Bosa fan. If he can stay healthy, I think that's going to be huge for their defense. I mean, I I just have this defensive package of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on one side and the whole offensive lineman just going to that side, going, screw the the other side, we're going to block these guys. (laughs) Um, I think, I think having those two guys on the field, I mean, especially in like a fourth or excuse me, a third and 10 opportunity, you get both those guys down there. I mean, that's, 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 that is a very threatening defensive front and, and that's not a knock on their secondary, but having those two guys up front there, that, that alleviates a lot of work. And, um, you know, that's huge. Again, you've talked about the Chargers coach, although he is a young head coach is he's defensive minded so you know that's going to be huge um just I I literally wrote on my notes for our our talk today was powerful offense and that's what the Chargers have and that's what that's what I'm you know I'm falling on the sword with for them and so be it yeah I think with them if you
0: can become one of the top 10 defenses in the league with Mac and Bosa and both of them stay healthy i think that's pretty much the x factor for that team right um because if you establish that identity and you already have this offense that can go down the field at will right that's a scary team that's a super bowl contending team right uh, i think that's a big question mark cuz Bosa and Mac have had a lot of injuries in the past and you know i mean football is a brutal game the older you get the harder it is to stay healthy as we've seen with your favorite guy, J.J. Watt, and such. Hey. But but uh, Mac was hurt a lot last year. and He uh, was.
1: He was hurt a lot.
0: And he played through a lot of it, too. But, uh, that, like I said, that's the key, I think, for them. Health and, I mean, success playing together, too. Because it kind of reminds me of when Clowney and J.J. Watt were on the same team with the Texans. And then that was on paper, and you would imagine pretty much what we're talking about right now is you got two of the best guys on both sides and it didn't really work out that way more on Clowney's side, but you know, you wonder why that is. Maybe it's scheme wise or just lack of execution or, you know, maybe Clowney is just a raw talent and never had the other side of the game at his a uh, back pocket, but right. there's definitely factors that lead to, it's not as simple as, okay, we have Khalil Mack and Bosa, and now we're the best pass rushing team in the league. It just doesn't work like that. So we'll see how they mesh together. Going forward, we got the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. We got (laughs) – Me? You lead us us off. Yeah.
1: Um, For the Raiders, my big thing is, is Derek Carr even a good quarterback? That's literally what I wrote. And he is literally (laughs) the – Fair. He is literally, in my eyes for the Raiders on the offense, he is the biggest factor. And, can, and honestly, like, he, can he bring this team to a Super Bowl or even, you know, I mean, last year they had a playoff, which is exceptional for the Raiders. But, you know, can, is is Derek Carr a Super Bowl bringing quarterback for the Raiders? That is a huge question mark with myself as well as everyone else in the NFL except Raiders fans. And, you know, I I just think, I mean, he's got such, I mean, he's got Devonte Adams, Renfro. I mean, he's got a, a solid Baller. solid. Yeah, Waller. He's got a solid wide wide receiver crew. I mean, imagine that receiver crew with Herbert and I mean, and all the assets on the Chargers. That would be like holy shit. Super Bowl go <laughs> go go. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, for the for the Raiders to be successful, I you know, I said is Derek Carr even the answer, you know? But also, I think if they want to make that push to be ultra competitive uh, in their division, their O line needs to protect Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is always being hit, always getting rushed. So just that's it right there. And then uh, uh, again, you know, the defense needs to hold up their end of the bargain too. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't really paid attention to how much the Raiders have done on the defensive side. I don't know if they've done made a lot of moves. I'm not too familiar with that. Um, But, you know, that's a big thing for me is if you can keep that defense, defense, but also have the offensive line protect Derek Carr. And, and, you know, Derek just needs to nut up and make a decision on if he's going to bring this team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that's,
0: And, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks, but really the team goes as the quarterback goes in the NFL these days. Right. Um, So, my answer to that question is, I like Derek Carr, but I think he's the worst quarterback in that division, which I agree isn't really a knock on him, because it's Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. Maybe the weakest.
1: But, maybe that's the better word. Weakest, maybe, oh. yeah.
0: Um, But there is just something about him where he'll have one game where he'll be like an MVP-looking guy. Right. And then the next week, he, so inconsistency, right? I mean... That's kind of what uh, his career has been based off. The numbers are probably there, um, but the Raiders haven't had much success in terms of playoff wins and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I love him as a competitor. He has Devonta Adams and uh, Waller and Renfro, like said. So we'll see what kind of impact Devonta Adams and him have together. They played college football together. So, you know, that's they already have a connection. As you know, but, you know, it's been a while since they've played together. So I'm sure their game has changed in some respects. Uh You would imagine that having a guy like that and watching Adams, you know, just be an absolute dog in the Packers. Right. Personally attacking Mr. Peanut, uh, you would imagine he would continue on his reign of terror. But yeah, I mean, new offenses are always interesting. It's kind of like when you assemble a new basketball team and they're kind of working out the uh, the kinks of compatibility yeah. or seeing where guys are at, you know, different routes and, you know, all the innuendos that go into winning a football game. But, I mean, another, and like we talked about at the beginning, I mean, these teams are all great. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Raiders come out. And it is really on Derek Carr's shoulders which I don't I don't really see it, to be honest. Neither do I. Last but not least, the Denver Broncos with a completely new look, uh, which, I, honestly, I truly respect the Broncos just go out and get a guy like Russell Wilson. They're like, all right, Drew Locke and Bridgewater, all that bullshit didn't work out. Let's just get the best guy, pay the price, and we'll try this again. And that's – honestly, if you're a fan of that team, that's a – great way to go about it i agree because you're not in my shoes where we go through just abysmal quarterbacks and pretend like we're doing something right so tip of the cap to the broncos front office um but yeah what do you got on the broncos you lead us off again
1: i i wrote and i am glad you jumped in with the russell wilson thing is i i wrote broncos made a big splash and they did and they made you know I love the notes <laughs> oh yeah dude my notes are you know crisp classic. Classic polar bear, Um, but I mean, they did. I mean, people had no idea that this was happening, and then boom, like out of nowhere. And as fans, we see this, uh, you know, trade happen. And you know, I agree. I think the Broncos have finally said, like, hey, we've gone through the shit. We've gone through the ringer, if you will, with quarterbacks. Um, You know, since Peyton Peyton Manning left, to be one hundred percent honest, and we are finally going to make you know, move here to where it's going to position our team for success. And, you know, I I really loved that move when it happened because, you know, John Elway understands quarterbacks and whether he's immediately involved with all of that still or not, he understands quarterbacks and he understands that personally, he understood that Russell Wilson wasn't getting a lot of love from ownership and our coaching staff, where now, you know, hey, come on in. We understand what you want to do, and let's work together. And I I, I, I have a lot. I, look, it's a new quarterback and new team, so that's always a learning curve. But I, as well. I'm very, very optimistic about the Broncos' success this year, solely based off of Russell Wilson, which is very, you know, interesting to say, if you will. Um, but again, I think that move was great. I think that he's got a, he's got a good crew around him, wide receivers, running backs, as long as that old line can defend it for him. I think he's going to do okay. Um, do I think they're going to win the division? I don't think so, but I think they're, they're going to be very successful in the division. And again, just kind of like the Raiders, it, it leans a lot on him in my eyes. Their, their success leans on Russell Wilson, but also Their defense needs to be able to stand up, especially in those divisional games. I mean, when they're playing the Chargers and such, you you need a defense that is strong. So, I mean, you know, God bless the Broncos for making them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And you know, Russell Wilson kind of gets a hard time for kind of being like a corny leader or uh, disingenuous. But um, I, I mean, from what I saw this offseason when he got traded, he brought in all of the offensive uh, skill players and, you know, they took him on a trip to somewhere to practice and kind of get that camaraderie going. So I think that's the type of leader he is. And um, obviously that's it changes that
1: like
0: Yeah. I think players like him a lot and yeah. he's a great player. There's no doubting that. Right. Uh, I like the young offensive core they have too with Javante Williams, the running back, Cortland Sutton, I think is going to take off this year. Oh, Yeah from Alabama who hasn't... I mean, these these are guys that haven't really had a shot to really show how good they are because right. there's just been no guy at the helm that can sling it like that. Right. I mean, you got a guy like Drew Locke. You can only do so much in Bridgewater. Um, formidable quarterbacks, but nothing... not even close to that level of Russell Wilson. So, I think that offense will definitely get, get a great boost. I don't know how much of a boost based on you know, how good are these guys that they have? So, in terms of the AFC West, I got them more toward the bottom tier. But I see them, you know, ident- or building the identity as a scrappy and kind of playmaking type of team where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys break out and have great seasons. Right. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, from going from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to Russell Wilson changes <laughs> – it changes everything about that team and then oh you know with people like me saying i got them on the bottom tier that provides a chip on your shoulder for that team too where no nobody expects you to take down the chiefs take down the chargers probably in line with the raiders but that's another thing in football where i mean if you have an extra chip you always use it it's it's fuel and that is another part of what makes football great is even you know the bottom of the worst teams um you know, they can use all of this extra motivation to uh, potentially have a great year. So, in saying that, let's give our final standings prediction, which (laughs) I'll have to go back and uh, see how we did last year. All I remember is that we put the Bengals in last, and that was just horrific. And honestly, credit to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They were incredibly better than we anticipated. So, our track record's not great, but we're still gonna give it. All right. gonna it. <laughs> so I'm just gonna give my top four, and I got Chiefs, Ra- or oh, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Ah, oh. but a little twist here. Oh. I think there's gonna be multiple, maybe three playoff teams in the AFC West.
1: I like that. Very bold prediction. For me, it's not. Uh, too far off, except as I noted, uh, you know, when we were talking about the Chargers, Chargers are my number one. I got Chiefs number two, Broncos number three, and Raiders number four. So essentially our ones and twos and threes and fours just changed a little bit, but um, I'm very, you know, as you were talking about the Broncos, I'm very, very optimistic about their season. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I love that you said you got a little chip on your shoulders, but also people might overlook the Broncos a little bit and in a sense of, Hey, we don't really think we're going to prepare for them as, as, and again, it's the NFL. You should be preparing every day, but you know how it is, you know, it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, the chargers, I'm I'm putting a lot, a lot of leverage on there. You know, like I said, I'm falling on the cross or sword for them for that one. Am I happy about it? Absolutely not. But they made, like I said, they, they were drinking the Kool-Aid that the Rams were given, so I mean, they're in the same stadium, they're drinking the same water, I don't know if they're
0: <laughs> talking about it. Literally drink, drinking the same Kool-Aid.
1: That's right. Um,
0: I will say I would love to see the Chargers just have, like, a great year, because it's just so I'm, I'm tired of the the classic Chargers look, where, even though I'm not a direct fan, it's still like oh, here we go with the the last second L, or, like, right. fourth and goal when they throw an the incompletion, like, just put it all together one year. You know what I mean?
1: Right. For the
0: people that are still fans, they deserve it. Um, and I'm tired. I'm definitely tired of the Chiefs being on top. So that's that's not an easy or that's oh, an wow. easy one to uh, root for another team for. I'm right. uh, certainly not going to root for the Raiders. That's that'll always be a thing with me. Anti Raiders.
1: I like their stadium, um, but other than that, that's it.
0: Yeah, well. definitely top class stadium. But I mean, I'm really any of these matchups, which. There's probably, I don't, I think they play week one, like, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but usually there's Bargers. some divisional matchups week one. Yeah. But my point is that anytime those teams are lining up, it is, you know, must-see TV. Like, it's oh, yeah. it's a couch appointment that you're going to have to make. I agree. All right, sportsmanter, episode 18. It had to be addressed. It oh. will continue to be addressed. And anytime I think about it, I get pissed off about it. Because why be did it have to be this it. way? Why can't we just have nice things? Oh, my God. Why? And I just got a tweet, or a, I looked on Twitter, and he's supposed to be meeting with uh, AJ Preller today at an unnamed location, of course. A back so, alley? Hopefully <laughs> hopefully, Preller just lays into him, but. Fred, Fernando Tatis is suspended for 80 games rest of the year. And we're going to win that shit without him. Honestly, I'm all in on this team. Manny Machado right. is having an MVP season and no one's talking about it. He's had eight games in a row with multi-hits. Him and Soto can do it. But And plus the rest of the team. But I'm just saying, the two stars that have to perform, I, I believe in those guys. And I believe in the pitching staff. So we're going to make it happen. Love it. And then the AFC West preview. Basically, we're fired up. I mean, like I said, I think it's the best division in football. More pumped that football is returning to us is you've been gone for too long. Oh, my God. Come back to me. Come on.
1: Yes. Come on. And I am so fucking over preseason games. I'm over preseason games. The Polar Bear is out on preseason games.
0: It is. Preseason games. Honestly, a little quick blurb. The worst. I get as a as a fan of the worst. I get the franchise side of it because I do like the guys that are trying to make the team that side of it. But as a fan, whoo, I literally I turned on the Hall of Fame game and it's going.
1: This is this is barely football. My my whole issue with preseason. Quick blurb now. We've we've opened the can. My whole issue with. Pre- get shut pre- it now. That's right. <laughs> preseason games. My whole issue is the fact that personally. I think teams have already made their decisions and this is preseason games are literally for defensive coordinators, special teams and offensive coordinators to test their shit for the season. And that's it. And I yeah. fucking hate it because it is dumb. Like, okay, we're going to try this new shit. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Okay. Does it work? Does good it good not. Good. Let's test it on guys that we don't really care about if they get hurt. So let's run with it. And that. That's a bold statement from the Polar Bear, and I'm no, going to fucking stand by
0: it. You're missing the biggest part, though. The owners are just making a shit ton of money on the, the ticket sales without having to pay the players really anything, because it's not the season of their salary. Right, So it's not it's it's a really tough watch it's i, I kind of like watching. oh my god i kind of like god. watching justin fields just to kind of see what i'm getting into but even then it's like like you said we're just trying out shit that we're probably not going to use because every team's going to review the film of preseason so you're not going to show anything really you're going to oh, show the no. basics of the basics sorry a little
1: blurb on the preseason oh my god it's bad this episode if you like preseason games don't listen to our podcast there There
0: you go go. yeah plant your flag (laughs) (laughs) but for episode 18 we out see ya